Introduction to the Pastor's Cut podcast. Brad, is that you singing on that? I wish I could claim it. No. <laughs> we were just sitting here, first first podcast of the year. He said, I got this new song. I think you meant it as a joke. Uh, I kind of like it, actually. I like it. We're going with it. Let's do it. That's the new theme song. I'll shorten it up. All right, cool. All right, fantastic. Well, thank you, Brad, and welcome to the Pastor's Cut podcast. And I'm just going to say this is for January, February, March, and part of April 2025. This is a kind of an introductory podcast to our new teaching series. I am solo today. There's no Marissa, no Dave, but I guess I'm duo because I've got Brad here. So Brad, how was Christmas? What did you do? How's your mom? Is your mom doing well? (laughs) My mom is busy. Okay. That's that's her. uh, She stays busy. For those of you who are longtime listeners of the podcast, I once made the mistake. I had a short circuit in my brain. I it might have been last Christmas. I, I said, think it was. Yeah. I said, Brad, I know this is the your first Christmas without your mom. And he said, What what happened to mama? What <laughs> <laughs> your mom's alive and well. It was your father who passed away. And True, I yes. got some things That's crossed right. in my mind. So But your your sympathies were duly noted and appreciated. So. And and the next day I got a call from Elaine, Brad's mom, just letting me know she was alive and well. Yeah, uh, she still is. So, anyway. all right, enjoy enjoy those Christmas. Uh, what what'd you do? Well, we didn't honestly. We didn't. We kind of cooked out a lot. It was a very quiet Christmas. Uh, we have two boys, as you know, and both of them are uh, not available. So, Joe was on vacation in Mexico, and Josh is deployed. And big news during Dirty Santa Sunday, mm-hmm. which was mm-hmm. what yesterday, two days ago. Yeah, uh, we got a text that they are coming home. Hey, so, how about yeah. that? That's great news. So man. that's, um, other than sit around and watch a lot of football and cook ribs, I, I didn't really do a whole lot during the Christmas holiday. You and I could not have had two more different Christmases. <laughs> what was uh, yours like? Well, uh, so we didn't have any travel plans, and, and everyone was home, so we, we had all the kids this time. Which is great. Which is great, um, and they all live locally, so it, it you know it's not um, you know a big big event necessarily. But I decided um, that I was going to renovate my entire upstairs. So starting at ceilings, walls, I've painted every inch of upstairs. New carpets soon to be installed. I'm going to retrim everything. So I am exhausted. But also, it's so different from what I normally do. And this is what Winston Churchill said. If you want to revitalize yourself, it's don't do nothing. Do something different. And so, you know, I don't normally get to work that physically in my job. So it... It was fantastic. Love it, and uh, it's looking great, too. Cool. We and, expect a tour. And thanks for, thanks for the help. <laughs> <laughs> if you would have known, you would have been there, I'd have no doubt. Probably. I, I could have helped. So. so welcome to the Pastor's Cut podcast this year. I love the new song, There Is a Balm, B-A-L-M, Balm and Gilead. We're going to have some fun with that in weeks to come. And what I want to do is, this is not for a particular Sunday, although... Uh, beginning January 7th, I will be teaching on the Message on the Mount all the way through now and Easter. 
And um, this is just an introductory podcast for those of you teaching and those of you also reading um, the Message on the Mount every day. I've invited us to read uh, the entire message, uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, during the 31 days of January. This is a good framework. This is a good way to uh, understand the flow and the framework of the Sermon on the Mount. And what I'm going to go through today is an outline given by John R.W. Stott. That by the time he died, um, he was my favorite Anglican theologian. I think he was one of the best New Testament theologians alive. I passed away maybe a dozen years or so ago. Uh, but he does a really good job outlining the flow in the message on the mount. And he breaks the message down to seven component parts. Now, I'm always skeptical of outlines because as somebody is writing a letter or you know, communicating, like take, take the epistles of, you know, 1 Thessalonians. Paul was not thinking in an outline form. However, there's a flow to the conversation. Sermons are a little different. Typically, you do have an outline, at least in our modern understanding. I don't know that Jesus had an outline in mind as he gave this sermon, but there was a flow to it. And so what I want to do is talk about these seven um, different aspects of the message on the mount, and uh, I'll use this on Sunday. If there's one word that I would use to sum up the message on the Mount, it would be the word different. We are called to be different. Different from being a nominal Christian or nominally religious and different from secular society. And woven all throughout the message on the Mount, Jesus will, will throw those in and say, you're not to be like this. You know, your righteousness must surpass that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And so he'll say, don't, don't be nominally religious. And then he'll, he'll throw in comparisons to secular culture. You know, if you love only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that. And so we need to remember we are called to be different, different from nominal religion, different from secular culture, because our standard by which we measure ourselves is God. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And that's something that we aspire for, but that we'll never in this life achieve. So let's break this down. Let's go through these seven um, movements, I would say, in the message on the Mount. And the first one is a Christian's character. And this is Matthew 5, uh, verses 3 through 12. And we often refer to these as the Beatitudes, rightly so. This is what a blessed life looks like. What's summed up here is, and if I were to say what a, what a blessing, what a beatitude is, here's the kind of life that bears the approval of God. Here's, if you want to have the approval of God on your life, here's what our character needs to look like. And so that's unpacked for us. Um, those beatitudes, in fact, I would encourage you to memorize those beatitudes. And I am going to ask us to equip ourselves with these Beatitudes, especially as we move into an election year. Um, maybe I'm dreading this more than it deserves to be dreaded, but I see some really challenging times ahead for our culture where hatred and division will continue to escalate. And as followers of Jesus, we are called to be different, different. And so pay attention to what a Christian's character looks like and that's Matthew 5, verses 3 through 12. Then this moves into, uh, from Christian's character, to a Christian's influence. And this is Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth. 
you are the light of the world. Um, uh, we'll get into this more in a few weeks, but this idea of salt, what does that mean? In the Hebrew culture, salt was a metaphor for wisdom, and light is a metaphor for truth. We are to be people, we are to use our influence to bring wisdom and truth into the world. And I would encourage you to be praying over who you influence. In fact, this coming Sunday, uh, we're going to have some fresh 4x4 cards in the window ledges, and I'm asking you to pick up those cards and to pray for four people uh, as we get closer and closer to Easter, who you need to be praying for very intentionally. And so we have a Christian's character, a Christian's influence. Then we move into another section, and this is the longest section in the Message on the Mount, if you listen to Stott's um, outline. A Christian's righteousness. This is Matthew 5, verses 17 through 48. And this is the idea that our righteousness has to go beyond being outward appearances. Okay, you've heard it said, do not murder. Well, okay, well, I'm not going to murder anybody, so I've obeyed that law. Well, Jesus says, no, let, let's, let's think deeper than that. Let's think about anger and hatred because that's where murder starts. And there's more than one way to murder a person. Uh, if you want to hurt a person, you can also hate them. And so Jesus asks our righteousness to become something that's not exterior only, but become an internal reality. And he gives several examples of that. And I think it's six examples of what could be a very long list. Murder, which he compares to hatred and anger. Adultery is not just the physical act. It's also the emotional and mental manipulation of another person for your pleasure. Divorce. Um, so I talk to a lot of people. They get really nervous about this part where Jesus discusses divorce. Here's my bottom line read on this. Um, Divorce is not the unforgivable sin, and like any issue, any problem, and divorce is a sin. It's a broken relationship, okay? And I don't say that with any guilt. That's just a matter of fact. With any sin, there's the opportunity for restoration and a second chance, and I don't see divorce as being any different than that. Um, what Jesus is talking about here is, you know what? Don't think that you've preserved your virtue just by keeping things legal, in other words, if I'm a married man and I see another woman over here I like, well, I'm going to divorce my wife and then I'm free to marry her. Well, that's legal, but it's not very ethical. And so really, it's still corrupt because I'm using the legal system in a way it's not meant to be used. Uh, Jesus said that sort of thing is just legalized adultery. Don't do that, okay? Uh, oaths. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Love for enemies is an interesting one. Uh, Jesus says, you've heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. We say, well, where in the Bible does it say to hate your enemy? It doesn't. Uh, this was a common interpretation. If, if God says, love your neighbor, then an argument made from silence is, well, okay, I can hate my enemy, and that was inferred. But that's not at all what God intends. In fact, let me encourage you. If there's a long-standing grievance you've had with somebody, may 2024 be the year that you address that. May it be the time that you finally resolve that because we are commanded to love both our neighbor and love our enemies. So chapter 5 is a Christian's character, a Christian's influence, a Christian's righteousness, and we are called to be different. Okay? Then we go into chapter 6, and John Stott uh, breaks chapter 6 out into two segments. Verses 1 through 18 
is a Christian's devotion, or I would actually, he says a Christian's piety, uh, and you might even say a, a Christian's devotional life. And the, the theme of this teaching here is, remember who you're doing this for. You're not doing it to win friends and influence people. Uh, when it comes to giving and prayer and fasting, which are key spiritual disciplines, you're not doing it to gain the recognition of others. You're doing it to please the Father and to find through these uh, greater intimacy with Him. And so our devotional life, there are some things that we have to do publicly, but we don't do it for public approval. And, uh, you know, sometimes you're going to have to, you're going to give and other people will know about it. I don't think we can go overboard and trying to keep everything a secret, but it's, it's our intent. If our intent is to be known, then there's a problem. But if we try our best to keep it low-key, I think God honors that kind of giving and prayer and fasting. So there's a Christian's devotion. Then uh, chapter 6, verses 19 through 34, is a Christian's ambition. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. Uh, we'll get to the part where it says the eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eyes are generous, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are stingy, then your whole body will be full of darkness. No one can serve two masters. Jesus will go on to talk about worry in terms of food and clothing. He says the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And then Jesus ends this section with what should be our ambition. But seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. God's rule and a relationship with God. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough problems of its own. So our ambition in life should be to seek and serve God. Then, uh, these are the last two sections in chapter 7, verses 1 two through 23, is a Christian's relationship. Um, excuse me, Relationships. And it starts with our relationships with others, uh, judging others. Judging is not in our job description. Now, this does not mean that Christians are not allowed to use their mind. Because uh, right at the end of this, Jesus says, don't give dogs what is sacred, don't cast your pearls before pigs. He said there will be people in life that you are not to give your best to because they just won't appreciate it. And in fact, uh, they might even do you more damage. They might do you more harm than good by you trying to help them out. So it's not that we don't practice judgment, it's we don't practice judgmentalism, that we're not out judging everyone, but we are encouraged as followers of Jesus to use our mind, to use our spirit in discernment of others. And so don't feel like uh, just because we're told not to be judgmental doesn't mean that we can't use our noggin, right? So there's our relationship with others, our relationship with God, and asking and seeking and knocking. And there's also a great passage in here about watch out for false prophets. In our day where there are so many voices, we need to own the fact that there will be many misleading voices. Uh, and we should be scrupulous. We should be careful about who we listen to, especially in media uh, and social media, to say, is this source legitimate? Do they really care about the truth? Are they accurate in their reporting? These, these people that, are, that I'm listening to, what's the fruit of their life? We have become too careless with the inundation of so much being able to be pointed at our ears and our eyes. We've become a little bit careless. We should curate 
very carefully who we listen to because Jesus said, watch out, there will be false prophets. Then the final section, uh, Christian's commitment. And this starts in verse 24 all the way to the end where Jesus says, anyone who hears these words of mine is like a wise man who built their house on a rock. So I want you to get what Jesus is saying here. He is saying, I speak with divine authority. And I would invite you to join us uh, January 10th, Wednesday night, um, starting on the 10th and all the way through uh, almost Valentine's Day. Uh, we're going to be taking the Beatitudes of Jesus two at a time, um, beginning January 10th, Wednesday night, 6 o'clock in our adult conference center. Dave and Marissa and I will, will share the platform together and we'll walk through the Beatitudes. Um, one of the things that we'll talk about is how the Gospel of Matthew is really a recapitulation. It's a, a, a repeating of the entire history of Israel. Jesus embodies the history of Israel in his early life and the launching of his ministry. And at the very beginning of Matthew chapter 5, he says, he went up onto a mountainside and sat down. That's important because who else received the words of God from a mountainside? Moses. Moses. He is the one who receives the word of God. So as Jesus is talking from the mountainside, he is in a way a new Moses giving us a new law, but in another lens, he is actually the voice of God speaking to us. He, he really brings both of those characters together in his being, being man and God. And he says, if you want a solid foundation for your life, you must listen to me. Only in my words are life. Only in my words are hope. Only in my words are peace. Only in my words will you figure out how to be different. And so that's a pretty good outline, I think, of the message on the Mount. For those of you who are teaching through this, or at least reading through this, in my Bible, I've just kind of marked them off in the margin. A Christian's character, influence, righteousness, devotion, our ambitions, our relationships, and our commitment. That's all I got, Brad. You got anything else? I think you said it well. I think that's, well, I don't know if I said it well, but, but there you have it. Uh, I would encourage you, again, every day, read through Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Spice it up a little bit. Maybe you listen to it on an app as you're driving into work. Um, maybe you have a friend or spouse that y'all team up and you read it over one another. Um, I would encourage you, maybe just pick a verse or two and memorize it. Um, memorizing this is not difficult, uh, and I've done this several times over the years. Of course, this last Sunday I did that. It, it's, it's not difficult to do. I tell you what's harder is living this. <laughs> it's, it's relatively easy. It's being these attitudes. Oh, man, yes. So, you know, it's one thing to put them in your mind. It's another thing to allow them to begin to work through your character. So that's going to be the challenge for us. Read it. Let God's Word uh, work on you and His Spirit work through you. All right, so hopefully next week we'll have the band back together. And Brad, thank you for the new theme song. I think it's uh, appropriate. I think, now give a little background to that piece of music. So you're working with a choir. A oh, yeah. Um, so in Poland, um, to be brief, if I can, um, each uh, several com small communities have gospel choirs, much like um, English team, well, communities have soccer teams. Uh, they have gospel choirs, and it's, quite often it's not based around a faith. It's just they like that style of music. 
and they actually have competitions for gospel choirs all over Poland. So it's kind of a thing. And uh, but this one particular choir that I get to work with uh, in a couple of weeks uh, is a return engagement for me, but they are a Christian organization that uses gospel music to share the gospel. I guess that sounds kind of funny. I know How about I, that. Yeah, kind of a no-brainer, but uh, meaning you don't have to be a Christian to be in the choir, but if you're going to be in the choir, guess what? We're going to have devotions. We're going to have Bible studies. We're going to have prayer together. And over the course of the last decade or so, this gospel choir has uh, been very instrumental, or vocal, I should say, in leading, uh, <laughs> leading people to Christ as part of the choir. They come to the choir to sing this fun music, and there's all this truth in the music, and oh, by the way, now we're talking about it and we're living it together. And so we're going to do a tour with them uh, all over Poland with a, with a big band from America with this choir. And it's, it's a very unique, I mean, you can imagine that choir with an American big band. It's, it's hard to imagine, but it's quite fun. And uh, we get to ride around on the bus and talk to these kids. Again, some of them believers, some of them not. And uh, it's it's a it's a real thrill and an honor to get to go. So that's fantastic. So let me give the scriptural background of this song. Uh, actually, the Balm of Gilead. Uh, when William Tyndall translated uh, the Older Testament, this is before the King James Bible. He used this phrase, which has then been used in in um, songs throughout. It's from Jeremiah eight twenty two, and it's this idea of there being spiritual medicine that is able to heal Israel to heal God's people. So it sings of a balm in Gilead. It's this idea of healing. And you know what? As we discuss Scripture and as we, we depend on God's Spirit, I think that's where healing is. So, Brad, there is a balm in Gilead. Indeed there is. Indeed there is. So let's, let's hit it again. Let's go out on a high note. And God bless you. We'll see you next week. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you. And may God grant you peace now and forever. Amen.